in-depth, investigative. This is KXAN News Today. The risk of a government default now behind us. The bill to avoid defaulting clearing its final hurdle. Good morning, I'm Tom Miller. And I'm Erica Brennis. Senators passed the measure late last night and NBC's Bree Jackson is in Washington with details on when President Biden is expected to sign the bill ahead of Monday's debt ceiling deadline. The bill is passed. Economic catastrophe averted. We've saved the country from the scourge of default. In a 63-36 vote, senators passed the bipartisan agreement to raise the debt ceiling in exchange for spending cuts. In a statement, President Biden called the move a big win for our economy and the American people a sentiment echoed throughout his administration. It builds on another step that the president uh, secured last year when he passed the Inflation Reduction Act. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell praised the bill as an important step toward fiscal sanity. The measure also comes with criticism. Senators introduced 11 amendments, all shot down, including Senator Tim Kaine's attempt to block efforts to speed up completion of a controversial gas pipeline. Virginians don't want to have their land taken for a pipeline unless there is a thorough process. It's been scrutinized to the nth degree, and it's just been put off by an activist court, and I don't agree with that, so I don't agree with my, my friend Tim Kaine. Neither side got everything they wanted. Party leaders say compromise was essential to saving the country from a first-ever default. We're very, very happy. Default was the giant sword hanging over America's head. The bill is now headed to President Biden's desk. In Washington, Bree Jackson, NBC News. President Biden is expected to address the nation on the debt ceiling bill this evening. First warning weather with meteorologist Kristen Curry. Happy Friday, we start with a live look outside, taking you up to North Austin. This is our Indeed domain camera looking right at Q2 Stadium. It's a quiet start to the day, a mild start, as we're seeing temperatures in those upper 60s to low 70s. 73 in Georgetown, 73 in Austin, 68 in Bastrop with those lower 70s out there in the Hill Country. We've got 60s and 70s to start. Lunchtime temperatures in those mid 80s. Forecast high today, 92. Most of us stay dry through the day. It's going to be tonight that we watch for a few isolated storms in the hill country beginning around 7 p.m. and then lasting just a couple of hours past midnight. Some of those storms could be on the strong to severe side. It's a low risk and I don't expect very many of those storms to last long enough to actually reach a lot of the hill country, but we've seen this before and we'll see it again. A few storms developing well to our west trying to make it east into the hill country. There is that possibility tonight. Looking ahead, we've got increasing rain chances as we get you into the weekend. So tonight kicks off a more disturbed pattern here with daily rain chances actually starting this weekend and beyond. Like I said, it's a low severe risk, but we can't totally discount it. So we'll talk about where that severe risk is highest and what we need to be watching out for. Plus, what else are we watching? The Gulf, Tropical Depression 2. Where is it going and could it become our first named storm of the season? We'll talk about it coming up in your first morning forecast. We could see nurses at Ascension Seton Medical Center Austin go on strike, making it the largest nursing strike in Texas history. Last night, the National Nurses Organizing Committee and National Nurses United groups voted to authorize a one-day strike. 
The group says nurses want to improve patient safety and secure competitive wages to keep Austin nurses working. They plan to give at least 10 days notice before actually striking. We reached out to Ascension Seton for a response and we're waiting to hear back. Two Austin men are facing years of prison time for selling prescription drugs laced with fentanyl. 46-year-old David Lee Jr. pleading guilty in federal court. He's accused of supplying counterfeit oxycodone tablets that led to the death of an 18-year-old. These pills laced with substances like fentanyl and tramadol. Lee faces 20 years to life in prison. And a man from Cedar Park was sentenced to 20 years in prison for selling counterfeit oxycodone, also containing fentanyl. Police say 29-year-old Jean-Claude Mayama Kaju used a social media app to sell the pills to a man back in 2020. That man later died from fentanyl poisoning. Pflugerville ISD teachers can expect a pay raise when they return to school in the fall. Last night, the school board approved a 3% pay increase for educators and staff. It could raise another 3% in November if voters approve that. This comes following the pay raise the school board approved for Austin ISD teachers just last week. The Board of Trustees approved a 7% raise for that district. Continuing the investigation into the man city leaders are calling a serial killer. New details about one of his victims. And the new measure to help people save a little more on their rent, how Austin is easing up on a long-time restriction. Hey, good morning, happy Friday. A beautiful shot over Q2 Stadium, 438 on June 2nd. We're learning new details about one of the victims police say Raul Mesa confessed to killing. He's the man Austin City leaders are now calling a serial killer. Police say Mesa directly called them a week ago, admitting to murdering his 80-year-old roommate. On that same call, they say he also confessed to killing a woman in her 60s four years ago. KXAN's Nabil Ramon had talked to people in East Austin who knew that woman well. On Sarah Drive in East Austin, the memory of Gloria Lofton lives on. She used to have a little hill where's that, with her trash can and her mailbox right there. Every time I see her at the gate, I would go run over there. Sarah Rodriguez grew up her neighbor, but they quickly became friends. She was a good person. Always invited us to go to her house. She was like the like another mom to me, a mom from the neighborhood. Sergio Rodriguez knew her as well. I knew her like almost 30 years. She knew me since I was a little kid. According to Mays' arrest affidavit for Lofton's murder, police found her dead in her home on Sarah Drive in East Austin on May 9th, 2019. A day Sarah remembers well. I remember I was inside. All I just heard loud noises, I think, and I just heard all these people come and then all of a sudden I was like, whoa, I saw forensic. Something went down. Both Sergio but. and Sarah said they remember seeing Raul Meza in the neighborhood, sometimes going into Lofton's house, but they had no idea what his relationship was with her. I always saw him get out the house or next door to her, and I was wondering what was he doing, but like he was suspicious, like he would come out the house and then just walk. Come back again. I didn't really know him that well. I saw somebody coming out of the house. While there were no suspects initially named when she was first found dead, both feel some closure now that Mesa is behind bars. I'm glad that I find they found out who it was. Nabil Ramadna, KXAN News. In 2020, a DNA profile obtained from Lofton's body matched Mesa's DNA, but police did not arrest Mesa at the time. Now the department is conducting an internal review of how investigators pursued the case. 
Going in depth, in the 90s, Meza was sentenced to 30 years under a plea deal for the killing of eight-year-old Kendra Page. Texas Parole Board released him from prison in 1993 after 11 years behind bars. State said that Meza accumulated enough good behavior credit under state law at that time. Parole expert we talked with says felons do deserve a second chance, but in Meza's case, the protocols failed. The system missed him in, in a certain kind of way. I don't think we can we can point the finger at anybody or or any one you know uh, a bad decision that was made. It's a it's a conglomerate. Years after prosecuting this case, former Travis County District Attorney Rosemary Lemberg told KXAN there was enough evidence to seek a life or death sentence in this case involving Kendra Page. Still ahead, some Austin FC fans are going to have to pay more for season tickets. What that price increase is looking like. Ken Paxton is suspended without pay. Who's now serving as prosecutors prepare for his trial? Good morning. We've made it to Friday. Woo, hopefully it's going to be an easy day and a fun weekend. And get some sunshine this weekend. Get out there and get a little swimming. Yeah, why yeah. not? A man in Fayette County is hurt after a bee attack on Tuesday. This happened in the community of Plum, which is about an hour southeast of Austin. He went to the hospital in critical condition. It's unclear how he's doing now, though. We're currently in the peak swarming season in Texas, so be careful. Going in depth on this, here's what you should do if you find yourself caught in a bee attack. First, try to outrun the swarm. If possible, run towards an enclosed location away from the swarm. And then it's critical to try to remove the stingers from your body as quickly as possible. And lastly, seek medical attention immediately. Some Austin FC fans will have to pay more this season for their tickets. Yeah, several fans reach out to us asking about that price increase they're seeing. We looked at one of the season ticket members in our family, one of our KXAN staffers, and the cost for their one seat in that same section next season going to be more than $1,000, more than $100 more than last year. So roughly 12% increase. Austin FC, though, now has the fifth highest payroll in MLS. The offseason highlighted by inking some big stars to contract extensions. You can see Sebastian Driussi currently making more than $3.5 million as his base salary. Club also launched Austin FC 2. So that team part of the developmental MLS Next Pro League. And those players come with contracts as well. The wait list, though, for season tickets at last check, more than 10,000 people. Yeah, people are going to pay it. <laughs> exactly. I'll pay it, you know, give I me, know. I'll take my extra $100. Mm -hmm. You know what, yeah. Wednesday night's game against Minnesota was the 44th consecutive sellout for the Verde and Black. That's the longest active streak in MLS, so. It's a hot ticket. It is a hot ticket. When you do well, yeah, I think people exactly. are willing to pay it. Exactly. Got a little little shoddy there to begin with, but <laughs> yeah. it's a professional team. There's popularity yes. and one of a kind, yes. so people will pay it. I wonder exactly. also, you know, with the timing of the launch and Ted Lasso yeah. and the popularity. buzz around Could soccer be. has yeah. really drummed up. I wonder if that just, yeah. it was kind of 
perfect timing. It yeah. was. It really was. All right, let's uh, show you what's going on with your forecast here because our Whittlesea Landscape Supplies weather camera there in Granite Shoals is showing a cloudy sky, but there's nothing falling out of those clouds. In general, we're going to see a mainly quiet day. The action comes for us here in Central Texas later tonight. So as we kick off your Friday morning, we're seeing current temperature of 73 degrees. Your humidity is up there. Yeah, it's going to be another warm and humid day. Today's forecast 92. That 10% chance, that's what I'm looking at for the later part of tonight. And it's mainly going to be in the hill country. So there's a low risk of some of those storms being strong to severe. I'm looking at Western Mason as well as a little sliver of San Saba County underneath the marginal risk. The vast majority of this is going to be well out west here. You can see that three out of five risk of severe storms rot up against a dry line. But I don't expect the severity of those storms to hold together long enough to actually reach us here in Central Texas. I think as they approach us from the West, they'll weekend. So let me show you what I'm looking at from now through this afternoon. Nothing but a mix of sun and clouds by 10 11 o'clock tonight. There's those storms that are going to develop well to the West and potentially clip us in the hill country late tonight, but they're quick. They're in and they're out. Most of us won't even notice it, but as we get into tomorrow, we're going to be looking at a slightly better rain chance here. This is your Saturday night and we've got spotty to scattered storms still favoring areas west of I 35. More storms will be expected on Sunday, so it's almost like a stair step to better rain chances getting into the back half of the weekend with temperatures in the 90s tomorrow under a partly sunny sky and some 30% chance of storms later in the day, and then the rain actually limiting the warm up on Sunday with highs only making it to the upper 80s between now and the end of Sunday. We can see anywhere from about a half an inch to an inch of rain, isolated pockets of more. But because it's pretty unorganized as far as the uh, activity comes in, it's going to be really difficult to pinpoint where those heavier storms and showers uh, drop. So we will be watching that. Temperatures will be in the 90s for two more days, and then we'll pretty much ride those mid to upper 80s heading into next week. Rain chances look best Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, a little drier Wednesday, Thursday. That's going to allow those highs to get back up to 90 by the middle of next week. Thanks, Kristen. The Texas Rangers and Department of Motor Vehicles are investigating after a Hayes County employee and a state licensed inspector were arrested. According to sources, they are accused of illegally selling license plates along with vehicle inspections and registrations for months. Yeah, as KXA investigator Matt Grant reports, the Hayes County Tax Assessor Collector's Office is now being audited and law enforcement officers tell us this could be just the beginning. The Texas Department of Motor Vehicles confirms it's undergoing a review of all office operations at the Hayes County Tax Assessor Collector's Office. This after now former employee Yobana Solano Sequeira was arrested. Several law enforcement sources tell us Solano Sequeira is being investigated for illegally selling license plates and vehicle registrations through Facebook ads and intermediaries for months. She's charged with tampering with a government record, as is Jose Jasso, a vehicle inspector in Kyle, who a law enforcement source tells us admitted to passing vehicle inspections daily for money without ever looking at the cars. Chief Deputy Kenneth Smith with the Comal County Constable's Office Precinct 3 says that creates an obvious safety hazard for motorists. By circumventing that system, you're looking at putting a bunch of unsafe vehicles on the road 
and or vehicles that should not be registered. Smith's office helped uncover the alleged scheme when they pulled over Freddy Acosta Alvarez of Austin two weeks ago. Sources tell us that paperwork in his vehicle linked him to Solano Sequeira, who registered his vehicle, which failed an emissions inspection in Travis County, something not required in Hayes. He's charged with tampering with a government record and displaying a fictitious license plate and registration. Smith expects there will be more charges and more arrests. The network that is happening and the way the investigation is going, it, it's going into other counties. So obviously it's going to be um, more than just a centralized area of, of just the San Marcos area. Matt Grant, KXAN Investigates. KXAN is dedicated to getting you the correct information. And last night when this story aired, we briefly aired a booking photo of one of them, Jose Jasso, while we were referencing the arrest of Freddy Acosta Alvarez. Jasso is a state licensed vehicle inspector charged with tampering with a government record. Acosta Alvarez is charged with the same crime in addition to displaying a fictitious license plate and registration. Yeah, just got mixed up there. Matt reached out to the Hayes County Tax Assessor's Collector's Office. Hasn't heard back for this story. Now, KXAN's Risky Rides investigation sparked a bill that would eliminate paper license plates in Texas. The bill had overwhelming support in both chambers and is now on the governor's desk. This bill calls for metal plates to replace temporary dealer plates. KXAN's coverage also led to the resignation of top officials at that state agency. The DMV has until next year to come up with a rule to implement this change, which won't take effect until 2025. New this morning, border authorities are investigating how an eight-year-old migrant died in Customs and Border Protection custody. Medical staff saw the little girl 11 times before she went to the hospital. Originally, only three encounters were documented. Initial findings suggest the eight-year-old did not get proper care at a border station in Harlingen. Her family was being held there when she suffered a medical emergency. The agency's acting commissioner, Troy Miller, said that several medical providers involved in the incident have now been prohibited from working in CBP facilities. The family of a Houston woman who died in an Arby's walk-in freezer is suing the restaurant and the franchise owner. The lawsuit alleges her death could have been prevented. 63-year-old Nuet Lee was a temporary manager who was found dead after getting trapped in the freezer at an Arby's in Louisiana. The freezer was kept at 10 degrees below zero. According to the lawsuit, the freezer latch broke last August with employees saying that they've had to use a screwdriver to open and close the door. Despite complaints from employees and multiple work orders being put in, the freezer door wasn't fixed until after Lee's death. So as a result of this, the family filed that wrongful death lawsuit alleging negligence and gross negligence. Arby says it's aware of the incident and is cooperating with local investigators. More people who are unrelated may be able to live together in the same house in Austin. The Austin City Council said yes to change the cap on the code. And KXAN's Mercedes Hernandez explains how this new code could impact your living situation. Back in 2014, Austin City Council members capped the number of unrelated adults that could live together in one home at four. The goal, to crack down on stealth dorms, groups of people packing into one house. At this point, the four-person cap has long outlived its usefulness. Since 2014, rent, home, and land prices have soared. So Thursday, present-day council members voted to change that cap from four to six. 
The city of Austin must stop policing people's relationships they choose in order to afford housing in the city. About 20 years ago, my sister was a UT student living in a three-bedroom house with five girls. Um, and about 15 years ago, I was someone who was uh, living with four people unrelated in a duplex. I and my sister both at some point uh, would not have been able to have that uh, roof over our head. Emily Blair with the Austin Apartment Association says with living costs being the way they are right now, splitting them is an appealing option. Those types of opportunities for more housing options for our renters is a good thing. Um, if we can stay in compliance with those regulatory rules. A majority of the council approved the resolution. As we wait to see the impact it will have, Blair says the housing climate could provide more relief as well. Average rents are down about two to 3% from this time last year, as well as occupancy is also a little bit down from what we've seen in the last couple of years. In Austin, Mercedes Hernandez, KXAN News. Councilmember Zoe Quadri said his office plans to hear concerns from the community in the next couple of weeks. Thanks for joining KXAN News today. You can also listen to KXAN News Nightly every weekday after 5.30 p.m. for in-depth coverage on what matters most to you.